0: Welcome to the Journal Data Ease The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Lauren Boland, standing in for Laura Byrne, and this week, why is measles, a disease the world hoped to eradicate, suddenly on the rise? Alarm bells started ringing for Ireland last year when countries across Europe reported a sharp rise in the number of measles cases their health services were seeing. In 2022, There was only just under 1,000 cases reported in Europe. In 2023, that rose to a staggering 42,200. Ireland has yet to see a serious measles outbreak, but it is on the government's radar, with Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly warning that there is a high chance of the disease spreading. So far this month, one man with measles died in Leinster. So what needs to be done? How can Ireland prepare? why has our vaccination rate fallen short of where it needs to be? Joining me to help explain all of this is Dr. Scott Walkin, a GP in County Mayo and the Irish College of General Practitioners Lead for Infection Control. Scott, great to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much for having me along, Lauren.
0: Scott, first of all, tell us, how does measles present? Is it always those little red dots that we're warned about or are there other symptoms too that we should be watching out for?
1: Yes. So the first thing is that it presents in people that do not have good immunity. So if people are protected either because they have had two vaccines against the measles or if they were born before 1978, virtually everybody in, in, in Ireland, if they're born in Ireland before 1978, uh, they have a uh, very high likelihood of good protection. So people that have immunity won't get measles. So the the, the way it presents is that it, it is a very infectious, contagious condition. So if somebody who is not immune to measles... Uh, meets and interacts with somebody who has measles, there is a very high chance, somewhere in the order of about 90%, that they will get measles. And usually what happens is that around about 10 or 12 days after the exposure... They would start to feel unwell with fairly non-specific symptoms—cough, cold, or flu-like symptoms. They will typically get uh, quite high temperatures, uh, and often they'll get uh, eyes. Their eyes will become red and quite sore and irritated, and sensitive to light. So, after that happens, usually two to four days later, they will develop the rash that uh, is characteristic of measles. That rash usually starts behind the ears and on the face and then spreads down to the trunk over the next three to four days, roughly, uh, and onto the limbs. Uh, The rash after that will then gradually fade over the next three or four days. The condition is contagious from four days before the rash appears until four days after the rash appears.
0: And I think we often think of measles as a disease that we mostly associate with children, but... We know, of course, that adults can get it too. Are there differences in how it presents between adults and children?
1: So measles can present in slightly different ways within children uh, and within adults and within adults compared to children. But broadly speaking, uh, the nonspecific symptoms at the start, cough, cold, flu, high temperature, red sore eyes, would be fairly typical. And then in both adults and in children, they can expect to develop a rash after that. So that would be the usual pattern. There will be slight variations.
0: And so then of those people who develop measles, Are there some groups that are maybe more vulnerable than others to developing a severe illness with it?
1: Okay, I think there are two aspects to that. So there's first of all, there's there are groups that are at higher risk of getting measles. That's one group. And then there's a group who, if they get measles, are at higher risk of more severe illness. So people whose immune systems are a bit weakened are at risk of severe illness. Uh, people who are pregnant are at risk of more severe illness. And also their developing babies at risk uh, too. Younger children, children under the age of five, uh, tend to have a, a more severe illness. With regard to groups that are more likely to get uh, measles, uh, they really are, are the groups who are not uh, immune. So people who are not immune are more likely to pick it up. And there's a group of uh, males in their late teens in particular, and that group has particularly low uh, immunity. Uh, So they're often people who are maybe in in college and there's a lot of socialising, they mix a lot. So they're they're a group that are at, at particular risk of developing measles. Uh, there are certain parts of the country where the uptake of MMR vaccination is, is really very low, uh, down below 80%. Uh, so they, the people living in those areas are at risk. And then also people who travel to areas where there is a lot of, of measles. So at the moment, there's a lot in the UK uh, and also uh, there are outbreaks in parts of Europe, including Romania and parts of France, Austria and so forth.
0: And Scott, those, those outbreaks aren't being helped by the fact that, as you said, it is, it's a highly contagious disease. I mean, I think people will remember from COVID, we learned a lot about how that virus spreads. How does measles compare to COVID? Just how contagious is it?
1: So COVID is considered to be a, a very transmissible illness. It's considered to be quite infectious. And the way that that's measured is that uh, a calculation is done that works out, well, on average, if somebody has COVID how many people are they likely to infect? That's the that's the measure of how infectious an illness is. So with COVID at the start, somewhere in the region, a, a case might be expected to infect uh, one and a half or two other people on average, something of that order. And that's considered an infectious condition. Now, with measles, the transmission is airborne. So somebody with measles will maybe cough or sneeze, and m- measles virus will be present in the air. And that can stay in the, hang around in the air and land on surfaces for about two hours. So in unvaccinated populations, the number of people that would expect to be infected on average by a case of measles will be about 12 to 18. So it really is very, very contagious, uh, even compared to conditions that are already considered to be quite contagious, such as COVID.
0: Scott, tell me, what is it that's happening now that we're seeing this big rise in cases in Ireland and in Europe?
1: The the, the main explanation for that is that the vaccine uptake rates have been falling globally. There are other reasons, but that is the main reason. Uh, There's also increased travel in recent years, uh, and and that tends to spread uh, infectious conditions. Uh, There's also the lack of the protective influence of social distancing. We're all very happy to have social distancing behind us, uh, but actually social distancing does provide some uh, protection against all infectious illnesses. Uh, But the main reason, the big ticket item really is the falling vaccination rates.
0: And I suppose one of the reasons why that's probably so disappointing to see that rise in cases now is because we had at one point driven down the cases so low compared to what they might have been in previous years. How close did we come towards eradicating it?
1: Well, the World Health Organisation declared Ireland as being measles free in, I think it was 2017. Uh, And measles free means that there's no person to person spread within the country. Uh, so there were occasional cases uh, over the years after 2017, but they were predominantly people who had travelled to uh, areas where there's a lot of measles and returned back with it. Uh, so essentially, yes, we were considered measles free. And that was because, the, well, it was a number of factors, but it, it, including that the uh, the vaccination rate was higher at around about that time.
0: So we saw that vaccination rate get quite high. What's the uptake like right now in Ireland?
1: So on average, nationally, the uptake rate of the first MMR vaccine is less than 90%. And that is substantially less than the level of vaccination that the World Health Organization Uh, define as being required to prevent outbreaks of measles in a country. So if the uptake of measles, uh, of MMR vaccination is higher than 95%, uh, that is very, very effective at uh, controlling and stopping measles outbreaks.
0: Scott, tell me some more about the MMR vaccine. So you mentioned there how effective it is. Tell me more about how long does it last and also how safe is it?
1: So it's an extremely effective vaccine. It's also an extremely safe vaccine. And the MMR vaccine has saved millions of lives since it has been introduced. Measles vaccine is administered at 12 months of age to babies. And the protection that arises from that happens very quickly, within a few days. And it is fairly long-lasting. And the level of protection is around about 95%. Now, a second measles vaccine is given when children are four to five years of age. And when the booster is given, they have good good protection from the 12-month-old age group until the four to five-year-old age group. Very good protection until then. And the four to five-year-old booster gives additional protection and it pushes protection against measles up to about 99%. That protection is then lifelong. It's very, very effective. One of the most effective vaccines.
0: Okay, so it's one of the most effective vaccines. We know it's safe. But there was that paper in the late 90s that since been widely discredited, shown to be false, but that it managed to drum up a lot of fear around measles vaccines. Can you tell me about who was the author of that paper and just how damaging was that to vaccine uptake?
1: Yes. So in 1998, uh, a doctor in the UK called uh, Andrew Wakefield published a paper in a very prestigious medical journal, which is called The Lancet. And that raised concerns about MMR. After that, the rates of MMR vaccination fell. And I mentioned to you earlier that 19 to 20-year-old males in particular have quite a low level of immunity. It's less than 80% actually in that group on average. Uh, You can draw a direct line from the publication in The Lancet to falling uh, vaccination rates at around about that time, which have now resulted in low vaccine uptake and low levels of immunity uh, in the 19 to 20-year-old male cohort. Uh, females of that age also have, have low uh, levels of uptake, but just not quite, or low levels of immunity, but just not quite as, as low. So as a result of the scare at the time about the vaccine, Uh, there was an outbreak of measles in Dublin in 2000. And there were about 1,600 cases of of, uh, measles that occurred at that time. And three children died. So you can draw a direct line from the Lancet paper, which, as you quite rightly say, was entirely discredited Uh, There were major concerns published in the Sunday Times in the UK and the Washington Post about uh, conflict, financial conflicts of interest. You can draw a line between that flawed, discredited research and the measles outbreak in the early 2000s.
0: I'll I'll jump in there, Scott, and I'll ask, you mentioned that age group of young men who have had particularly low uptake of the vaccine. What is the story with Ireland's catch-up programme? So if you're somebody who hasn't received your MMR booster and you're an adult now, how do you get one?
1: There are multiple channels uh, that will be available for people to get the MMR vaccine. Probably the most familiar to most people is that they can go to their GP to get an MMR booster. Uh, people who have never been vaccinated against the MMR uh, should, in fact, get uh, two doses of the MMR vaccine, uh, four weeks or more apart. Uh, and uh, there are also plans for catch up uh, clinics in various high-risk places uh, around the country. So, so plans are, are underway to set those up. Uh, but I think the short answer is uh, your GP will be able to do it. Sometimes it can be difficult to work out if somebody has been vaccinated or if they've had MMR and have been vaccinated against measles. And uh, if in doubt assuming there's no reasons to avoid the vaccine, and there are some people that shouldn't have the vaccine, but if there are no reason to avoid the vaccine, uh, well, then an additional dose of MMR, or if necessary, two additional doses of MMR, are considered very, very safe and very, very effective.
0: And just to put all of this information and, and those figures into context for us, say if you're a grown adult who's typically healthy, but for one reason or another, you haven't received either dose of the vaccine. How sick could you become if you caught measles now?
1: Well, I, I think the really unfortunate reality is that measles can be a really serious illness. And the first confirmed case of measles in Ireland in 2024 was, in fact, in an adult. And unfortunately, uh, he, he he's deceased. He passed away from measles.
0: And given that we're hearing more about the virus spreading and also about the really devastating impact it can have, like you just mentioned. What would your advice be for parents of very young children who haven't yet received their first dose?
1: What what I would suggest is to get protection when it's due on time. And what that means is getting the first MMR vaccine at 12 months of age and getting the next booster at four to five years of age. There are some circumstances where that schedule should be uh, altered a little bit. Uh, but that's that's the exception rather than the rule. And that is guided by public health. The short version is get the vaccine on time and that will give good protection.
0: And Scott, how about after the vaccine? Given that we're seeing these cases rising the way they are, is there any precautions that parents of children of all ages should be taking even after they've received a vaccine?
1: So people who have had two vaccines four weeks or more apart after their first birthday have really good protection against measles. So people who are known to have two doses of vaccines, uh, they they don't need to take any additional uh, precautions. They have good protection. If it's unclear if people have been fully vaccinated, then an additional dose of vaccine is appropriate. Children between the age of one year and four or five do not need to get the four or five-year-old age group vaccine early because the 12-month vaccine gives really good protection up until the fifth birthday and beyond, actually. Uh, So getting the vaccine on time is is what's needed to give good
0: protection. Okay, and of course, it's not all on parents. A big part of this will be uh, the actions taken by health authorities as well. So what should they be doing?
1: So the concerns about the risk of a measles outbreak uh, has been on the minds of the health authorities for quite some time now. The reason for that actually is, is because of the falling vaccination rates. So the health authorities have been working on plans to deal with the outbreaks that have been anticipated. So, for example, over a year ago, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee uh, started to update and indeed has updated guidelines about uh, measles vaccination, about MMR vaccination. Uh, The HSE has already set up an incident management team, even though there hasn't been uh, widespread cases of measles. Uh, there is an incident management team in anticipation that has been set up in anticipation of dealing with that. Uh, there have been um, moves to order the testing equipment, for example, uh, to allow measles to be diagnosed. So a lot of work has been done already. I think the next steps, uh, which are being taken, uh, will include setting up uh, additional access. To MMR vaccination in areas where vaccination uptake is low, and in areas where the the uh, the risk of an outbreak is high. So, for example, third level institutions, uh, you know, they 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 may require um, uh, special pop up clinics to help with vaccination there. So, a lot of work is 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 has been done already, and it is a very dynamic, evolving situation. Uh, but the health authorities have structures set up to deal with. Uh, Uh, whatever situation emerges. So so, so I think there's quite a lot of work being done in this space.
0: Scott, thank you so much for speaking with us today and for sharing all of that information so clearly.
1: Thank you Lauren, appreciate it greatly.
0: Thanks again to Scott for joining us today. You've been listening to The Explainer Podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by Senior Producer Nikki Ryan and Executive Producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you learned something new from this episode and you'd like to support more of the work we do here, You can make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber at thejournal.ie slash contribute. You can also leave us a review with your thoughts wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll be back explaining more news next week.